2: You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live at one Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners-Ready. And the title of today's show is Hamilton Cops, A Penalty. And that title provided by young fan Matthew Summerfield on Twitter. Runner-up is England won on penalties from Dewey. Also on Twitter, we're also joined here tonight by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt?
3: I think it's going pretty well. I'm of the opinion that today's
2: show will be, well, let's go with historic, shall we? It has been a historic Grand Prix, and I was trying to get across to my son, like when you're when you've got little kids, you are going to talk to them about that. 2021 season at the end of covid times when max verstappen and lewis hamilton were playing 4d chess a thousand miles an hour around the greatest tracks in grand prix history
3: yeah and you know i was really thinking the free tire choice but what you said too <laughs>
2: Yes, and I have to say, we've got so many uh, topics to cover tonight that actually the sprint race kind of moves to the back of the queue. If we don't get quite to the sprint race discussion, we'll move that to a dedicated topic in a news show. Uh, But there's so much to cover. Obviously, there was the event, which we will cover up front. Um, There is also the fact that, my goodness, Ferrari were absolutely spectacular. They took it all the way, and and like I've said, They've always been my favourite team. It's nothing to do with the fact that I had Friday hospitality at Silverstone. You have been bought and (laughs) paid for. Perhaps, but it was undeniably a fantastic fight from Charles Leclerc. And so we will discuss that in the chase section of the show. But it is important to note as well that one of the top drivers in Formula One had a big, big old shunt. So we're hearing that Max Verstappen is, is broadly fine but feeling, feeling shaken and dizzy after the shunt. So uh, we wish you all the best, Max Verstappen. I'm sure you tune in to Miss Apex. But uh, he is already one of the fiercest drivers in F1 history. We wish him a quick recovery so we can get this battle back on the road.
3: Indeed. Uh, 51G, according to Christian Horner, and lateral mm. impact. So that's a tough one on a driver. Good to see him out and moving about and looking forward to him being back at Hungary and ready for redemption.
2: And uh, just go easiest on on the comments, because this has been one of the most divisive social media races, Uh, not just with the sprint race stuff. But the second the the second the incident happened between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, the instinct was, oh, I wonder whether social media will be lovely, polite and measured or a swamp of seething hate. And yeah, we knew the answer, didn't we? (laughs) Before we get to the show, we just want to tell you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Uh, We're also joined by our race analyst, Alex Ginzy. Van Jean, what an afternoon, Alex. Did you also, like me, get in trouble at home?
4: um Yeah, I got told repeatedly that we have neighbours who don't want to hear me screaming at the top of my lungs um, at the incredible action that we had for
2: however long that race was today. It felt like it went on for ages, but in such a good way. I was covered on both sides by football fans uh, who have been going absolutely nuts for weeks. So I said to my wife, "You know, this, the gap's down to three seconds. I'm just going to warn you, it might get a little emotional." And I got the, "We have neighbours, you know," and it's like, look. We've been listening to them screaming all, for, all through the Euros, this is happening.
4: Yeah, definitely. We we need our time in the sun. And boy, is there sun today. It's like nearly 30 degrees here. And um, yeah, my I might get more glossy as the show goes on, um,
2: as the temperature still is ridiculous here. Yeah, those watching on the video can see the evidence of my trip out to Maggots and Becketts on Friday, where I caught all of the sun. We're also joined, uh, thanks uh, for returning, by Daniel Clark. Hello, DJ.
1: There we go. I don't know what happened there. It completely messed me up. How are you doing, Spanners?
2: Welcome to the podcast. I am doing very well. It's great to have you on. Remind us where in America land you've come from.
1: I am in uh, the wonderful sprawling city of Los Angeles, where it is nice and breezy and balmy and aggressively nice. So I will rub that into all of you.
2: Oh, it's like the Canada <laughs> of America. You're aggressively nice.
1: Yeah, well, well, the city, the, the weather, not the city.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. That's your panel, Matt, Two Rumpets, Alex Jeansy Vanjean, and DJ. Let's get on to our race review. Matt, normally this is the time where we would ask you where the race was won and lost. However, we've had this tradition over the last year or so. When there is a big event, a big kind of red letter event that has set social media on fire, we would address that first. And had it not been for that lap one incident, it probably would have been the sprint races. But really, the Verstappen and uh, Lewis Hamilton incident overshadowed everything at the beginning of the race it was like the whole weekend didn't exist and social media was on fire
3: well on fire more like burned down into a toxic festering swamp such was the fierceness of people's opinions about this i mean you know admittedly you know minor
2: contact that just had a major consequence on the championship. That is an interesting way to put it. It was, on the scale of things, a relatively minor contact. But I, I will say that for all the whose fault is this is 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 that we've ever had. Oh, that's a good point. This is a whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? So for who, all the whose fault is, is is it that we've had on missed Apex, this has probably been the closest to an out-and-out racing incident. There's there's been cries of racing incident everywhere. I don't like to do that because I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out sometimes. I like to examine where it went wrong. And I like to examine who was most to blame. But in this case, there's a couple of, of different angles. So we will do whose fault is it for sure. But I think I just want to start by saying both drivers consented to this accident. And I'd like, uh, yeah, good. I'm getting lots of nods from my panel, Matt.
3: Well, I love it because, you know, you asked me on WhatsApp earlier what my personal opinion was. Mm. And I said, basically, if I'm on the outside, I can draw a line leaving a car's width to the inside of cops. And if I'm on the inside, I can draw a line leaving a car's width to the outside on cops. And then if I look at both those lines together, they intersect. And I think, you know,
2: that's how I like to sum this particular one up. Yeah, and I mean, Van Jean, we've long talked about drivers m- making other drivers decide. So, you know, Senna was much lauded for the, I'm going to put ourselves in a situation, it's up to you, do you want to crash or not crash? And it just feels like both those guys did that today. Two of the greatest drivers in F1 history, two of the fiercest wheel-to-wheel drivers in history, both went, you want to crash or not? And they both went, okay, I guess if you don't duck out, maybe. Yeah, I mean... Max has been doing it all season to Lewis, to be honest. Um, Imola,
4: he threw it up the inside, made Lewis make the decision. Spain threw it up the inside, made Lewis make the decision. And every single time, Lewis is backed out. Um, and you could tell from the sprint race, these two were going to go at it, hammer and tongs, um, and Lewis wasn't going to lie down on this one. Um, you then saw them go into Brooklands, and when they went into Brooklands, I thought that's where the crash was going to happen, to be honest. Yes. yeah. I don't really know how Max got that stopped. But if you notice, Lewis moved aside, let the space, let him have it. Um, But to be fair, both drivers could have avoided this today. Lewis Lewis could have backed out. Max could have given more space. However, the reason I put it in Max's court is because Max is the championship leader with a really big championship lead. And if you are the championship leader and there is someone who is in the slower car having a lunge at you down the inside, you give them the room because you can have a chance to fight them back afterwards. All all Max has done now is throw
2: away his championship lead. And, And I think I like this because before we get into the technicalities of whose fault was it from like a racing point of view, it's interesting. What would you say if you were in those drivers' corners, DJ? Because if you were both their mums, absolutely no doubt that you would both mums are going to be saying right you're a silly boy there and you risked a lot don't be silly and if you were the driver coach you might be looking at those situations from a more psychological point of view like who who forget the incident forget the penalty forget the race result like who won out of that
1: well, you, I mean, you said it yourself, Spanners. It's, it's the Senate incident. It's the mental game of doing that. Both of them had to put themselves there to be able to prove dominance. And we knew going in from what we learned during the sprint race and during qualifying that the Mercedes was fast in a straight line. The Red Bull was slow in a straight line. And so Max had to stay ahead to try to yeah. keep that advantage. it's all mental. You can't back out of it. It's first lap.
2: You go for it. Max, uh, Matt, it was the perfect storm, wasn't it? Because DJ's just, you know, he spelled it out. Max had to defend the lead because Mercedes was strong this weekend. That car was strong this weekend. Um, Had had there not been a bit of a squiffy rear end from Lewis in qualifying, I think it probably would have been half a second. in in the Friday qualifying, he might have looked much more dominant than he was. So Verstappen, he knew he had to defend lap one. It was all or nothing. And Hamilton, look how he was held up by Leclerc later on. He knew he had to take his chance by from Verstappen early.
3: If I'm Max, I need one chance. If I'm behind Hamilton, I need to be at a place with an advantage and a chance at it. What interests me so much about this is that on the one hand, you're absolutely right. From an Mental psychological point of view, this battle was about dominance. Max was not backing down. Neither was Hamilton and the inevitable happened. But if I'm looking at championship points, I'm sitting there going, well, if Max had just simply leclerked it to the outside, he might have been able to pass Hamilton. They Red Bull might have been able to work a strategy miracle. After all, let's remember that the qualifying where Mercedes looked so fast mm. was near about 15 degrees cooler than the race today. And I think that hands a big advantage to Verstappen and Red Bull, if you ask me. But let's assume that the worst happens. He finishes second. He loses seven points of his 33-point championship lead. Instead, he gave away 25 points. And I just got to ask, if I'm looking at the larger picture, maybe that's the experience difference between Hamilton and and verstappen
2: talking it could well be uh, van Dam marcel in our slack live stream channel said this is gloves off this is Senna and prost all over again um and and this is it isn't it, alex this is absolutely gloves off now every single time they go at it it's a psychological battle i've compared it to poker in the past where you know you have your hands but actually your opponents don't know so if you keep pushing all your chips in pushing all your chips in with confidence People will fold. And Hamilton has folded time after time. Not just this season, but going back previous seasons. Do you remember him kind of letting Max through because, while well, you're not in the title fight. It doesn't matter. That psychological battle continued. And that's, that, that's why Max has won, what was it, like three or four wheel-to-wheel battles, battles already this season. And Hamilton's folded every time. So in a way, I can't blame Max for thinking Hamilton would fold this time. I can.
4: And the only reason I can is because of the aggressiveness of both of them in the start of the sprint race and the start of the race today. Lewis was super aggressive, more aggressive than we've seen him all season. Um, and Max was struggling with tyre warm-up, which is why Lewis was so much quicker at that particular point of the lap. It wasn't really a race, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what caused Max the problem. So Max went super defensive, and Lewis saw it as, I know what happened yesterday you got ahead of me and you disappeared. I'm not letting that happen. Max isn't stupid and he'd know that that was the case. So him being ahead and Lewis being behind, Lewis being behind was the key point of what they actually wanted to achieve. Yeah. So, um, And then it came to the actual point of impact where, you know, I, I, I've got other reasons why I can give it to Max.
2: Okay, so Dave says, yeah, Hamilton had more to lose before, but now he doesn't. But that that was also true, Dave. Uh, before, in this season, he, he also had things to lose. This season, and had yielded to Verstappen. Perhaps in the past, he'd felt like, well, we still have the overall car advantage, and uh, the triple headers showed that. Well, maybe you don't have that car advantage for sure. So now I do have to, you know, do have to make sure that I'm in there and fighting, DJ.
1: Well, I think the other thing to take in mind into all of this is that, I mean, we always joke about, you know, these are the best fans in the world, but Hamilton always says that from the podium. <laughs> yeah, This is his home race. Yeah, And he has always said this is the race he wants to win more than anything. And I think that probably played into that aggressive of a maneuver that he wanted to get this race championship be damned.
2: Yes, kind of. I can agree with that. And And certainly later on in the race when it came to, would he bother hunting down... Leclerc, clerk is like, yes, this is Silverstone. He he definitely wants to win at Silverstone. But overall, in the in the kind of overall view of this championship, this was a must-win race, Matt. This was a race where Hamilton and Mercedes really needed a win, and you could feel it in the radio messages at the end of the race. Like feel like okay, that correspondence between uh, uh, who's the race engineer for Lewis Hamilton, uh, Bono, Bono, I know, and they're saying like. Do you think we can catch him? And he's like, yes, you blinking well can, Lewis, is what he said exactly on the radio. And then afterwards, Toto coming on and they just were so pumped and hyped. They had a wind under their sails. And and that could account for a lot of Lewis Hamilton's extra aggression in those wheel-to-wheel battles today.
3: Yeah, you are correct. Mercedes needed to draw a line here and stop the bleeding. They've been losing points. They've been off the pace and having a hard time explaining it. They show up with the upgrades. They have the great qualifying on Friday and then they lose the place on Saturday. And, and so it was everything to play for from Mercedes point of view to win this race. And, and Lewis, I mean, you're 33 points down. Well, you know, your, your mentality about what kind of chances I'm taking are going to be entirely different at that point.
2: All right, Alex, let's talk about Verstappen as a wheel-to-wheel racer. He has been, throughout his whole career, right from like Toro Rosso days, he has been amazing and he has been aggressive. And that's been one of the fantastic things about watching Verstappen in wheel-to-wheel action. He has been entertaining. He is win or bin. Obviously, today it was bin. But it was such an aggressive defense, all of lap one. I mean, let's talk about lap one. Lewis Hamilton down the inside sort of forces Verstappen wide, so there's kind of the first move in that battle. Verstappen has to go off track in T one to defend, and then you've got that move that you touched upon into Brooklands as well. And and that when that happened, I went, oh my goodness, like because Hamilton had it, I felt like he had the outside round Brooklands, and Verstappen just shut the door. It was it was fully like, well, it was win or bin. That was the most aggressive move of that lap. Yeah, that was actually more aggressive than the bit where they had contact. But as I stated,
4: Lewis gave him the room. He saw it coming. He telegraphed it. He's like, okay, we can have that bit of space. You're obviously not going to let me have that piece of road. So there you go. It's yours. But that's why he got the cutback. And it's because of that aggressive move, he got the cutback coming out of Luffield, which gave him the run up to cops. And then you've got Max. I don't want to say weaving all over the road, but made, made a move to the right, made a move to the left, then came back across to the right and left the gap, a car's gap between yep. the wall and himself. Lewis went through that gap. There was no way Lewis wasn't going through that gap. He learned yesterday that he can't go around the outside because he lost so much ground when he tried to go around the outside last time. Yep. So he went up the inside. Now, I've stated this before on this show, and I've also stated it in, in some videos that I've done where if you put somebody up against the wall or somebody is up very tight against the apex coming into a corner, you do have to allow for them taking a compromised entry to the corner you're coming into. Not necessarily because, you know, they should be backing off, but just a self-preservation. Yeah. You should be expecting somebody to have a different line coming into that corner. As they go in, Max moves over to the left to open up the corner for himself. Lewis also moves across to give that, to give that space. And then they go in together. And this is where the controversy is. Did Lewis understeer into Max
2: or did Max turn across Lewis? That's the argument. Okay. So to, to be clear, I don't think anyone has any problem with Max moving over to the right. Once Lewis moves to the right and decides I'm going down the inside, Verstappen going all the way and leaving just about a car's width and, and a bit more was completely fair. We're all happy perfectly with that. Li- perfectly legit. Yeah. No problem with that. That's fine. But then Max Verstappen's subsequent line into Cops re- relies on Hamilton being able to make the apex, which probably isn't possible because Hamilton has been squeezed so tight that making the apex is impossible. So, so Hamilton is either always going to miss the apex or he's going to have to lift uh, to pull out of that incident. But I feel like we've got to put Cops into a bit of context for people who might not be too familiar with it, Alex. Uh, certainly like we've done a lot of sim races in there. I know it's not the same as being a racing car driver, but I think most people will agree that cops is a corner best done by yourself uh, with perhaps a a little lift in most racing, uh, in most forms of racing, getting nicely onto the curb. And then it's all about how how brave are you getting back onto the throttle so you don't run off wide. But in all side-to-side manoeuvres in cops that I've ever seen, the inside car generally always wins out in those. Yeah. Going around the outside of
4: there is hard because as you
2: come around the outside, it does narrow,
4: but you've got plenty of runoff. So you often see people really go. going at yeah. it, really going at it side to side because the space is there to allow it. Um, so that's entirely possible. So in my mind, Lewis was allowed the room. Max initially gave him the room. Um, but what I've noticed from the onboards, watching uh, the sky pad with Karun afterwards, I think Max turns quite early for when you have somebody alongside you, he's turned at the perfect point if there's no one alongside you, but I think Max has turned pretty early. Um, He's seen Lewis. He's turned left to go away. But the key point for me is he has then turned hard, right? Yeah. And that's when the contact is made.
2: Yes. Lewis doesn't go to the apex, but he's not obligated to. Yeah. A lot is made of Verstappen's little sort of adjustment to the left. And I I think I th- my take on that, Alex, tell me if I'm wrong, is that initially he thinks, well, I've got this. Lewis is going to back out. I'm going to go to the apex, realizes Lewis is coming through and goes, oh, OK, I can no longer go to the apex. So I will now go to a line that leaves a car's width to the apex. But that brings us on to like, a pretty important point, which is, is the inside car obligated to to hit the apex? And the austria Nico Rosberg-Lewis Hamilton incident, Matt, taught me. And I changed my mind at that point that the inside car isn't obligated to necessarily hug the inside line. The outside car more or less has to wait until there is space to start turning in to start turning in. If there's a car there, the car is there. Unless there's some dramatic locking up of brakes or understeer, the inside car is kind of dictating when it's okay to turn in. It's not necessarily, oh, it must be the apex.
3: Well, I mean, if you or the inside car and drove straight and Verstappen had turned in and you hit him amidships, as it were, you know, well, then that might be on you. I think the inside car is obligated to not drive into the outside car, but the outside car is also obligated to not drive into the inside car. And what interests me about this is that even though they were alongside, as they were going into the turn, Verstappen was ahead. He chose his line and he turned in and – I see two places of misjudgment for him. One, he might have thought he had enough of an overspeed on Hamilton that he was clear of the danger. Or two, he thought Hamilton would adjust his line when he saw where Max mm. was headed, which is which is a bit of a bet. But what I really love is I saw Alvin breaking it down and saying, well, look, and I think this is where it all comes from. When you're passing somebody like that, And you're in this battle. If you leave them absolutely enough space, you've essentially just said, here, take the position. And that's why we're arguing about it right now, DJ.
1: Yeah. And to that exact point of expecting Hamilton to back out of it, the reason why I'm put the blame a little bit more here on Hamilton through all of this discussion is because of the move he did on the Claire later in the race that was the same line they had coming into the corner and he backed off of it to allow Leclerc to run wide. That was the same kind of thing that he could have done if he didn't want to force it with max. And that to me shows that the way that that happened, the way that that went down, hammy knew he wasn't going to make the corner. <laughs> hammy. And he did it again, and he sorry. And he did it again and recognized it with okay. Claire and backed off. I
2: just want to, I want to pick up, One point you've made there, because it's it's a term that's often used, you've said that Hamilton wasn't going to make the corner. I I think you mean wasn't going to make the corner to the apex. So for me, making the corner in a side-to-side, wheel-to-wheel manoeuvre means you're going to, if you're the inside car, you are going to drive all the way to the exit still allowing your competitive racing room on the outside to me that means make a corner when we talk about someone locking up an understeering and had the car not been there they would have like hurtled off into the distance like i believe in the rosberg hamilton incident if anyone wants to re-argue that from eight years ago whenever it was here hamilton was he was clearly always going to to make the corner had verstappen disappeared he would happily have been able to to drive on towards maggots is that that's a fair distinction Van Jean.
3: Um,
4: yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. He he has the obligation to take the corner when he wants to take it because he's on the inside. Um, people talking about Max being ahead. First of all, it doesn't matter. If 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 you can't overtake the driver who is ahead and on the racing line, how are you supposed to overtake? Yeah, because that. That's the whole premise of Overtaking is to get up the inside, whether you're, whether you're behind or not, because you're going to be yeah. behind at some point. But the distinction I have made with regards to Lewis being alongside versus Max being ahead is Lewis was ahead as they started braking. Lewis braked first because he had to because yeah. he's on the inside yes. line. And the reason that Max has got the overspeed is because he's braked less and then just turned to the apex. I 100% believe this crash happened
2: because Max thought Lewis backed out. Yeah, and that may well be the case. But when Toto Wolff came out and start, started talking about there's a regulation that if your, if your front axle is alongside the rear part of the thing, it's your corner. I've never heard of that. And I don't like that terminology anyway, if that is the rule. I, I don't believe that was quote-unquote Lewis's corner. I don't believe he had a right to just to have Max disappear. I mean, that's true. Like, Max's overtake, uh, Max's defence and his his attempt to stay around the outside and hold it was also valid there was nothing wrong with what he did
3: correct and had lewis gone all the way to the edge of the track and either run into him or forced him into the runoff yeah. area then that would have been uh as we learned in austria Very typical last yeah. week, that yeah. would have been that is now a penalty what's interesting to me is uh albert fabrega on twitter said that who's in that, that? Email, wait who's that? Albert Fabrega. He oh, what's the Spanish broadcast? Company. All right, okay. He works for them. He's 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 like their Summers. Yeah. Oh, I see. He's there. Matthew
2: Summerfield. Okay.
3: Yeah. Basically, um, in the email Toto sent to Mazi, he attached the diagram about collisions from the stewards' guidance used to judge overtaking incidents. So, it's implying to me that somewhere out there there is a document that the stewards get that contains guidance about how they decide these incidents. And I, for one, would love it if any of our listeners should happen to get their hands on a copy, if they would pass it along to us, because I've never heard of it before today, but I really, really, really want to see it. My understanding
4: has always been that in the sporting regulations, it states that if a car has a significant part of its car alongside another car, they are entitled to racing room, and they consider a um, major part, part of the car as a front wing. Even a front wing end plate, they consider as a considerable part, considerable part of the car. So I don't like the terminology of Lewis's corner because... Yeah, no, I don't. Because that doesn't, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't really exist. I agree. Because, and especially because, as we've seen on many, many, many occasions at Silverstone, you can go two cars wide through cops. Mm. Um, Max chose not to give the room. Lewis chose to make the entry difficult for Max. And they came together. I mean, to be fair, it's a crash that we've been waiting for. It was going to come, yeah. And now we're going to have massive fallout because their relationship was really good and respectful, yeah, up Until now, it's not going to be now. That's considering Max's tweet, that, uh, tweet or um, yes. Instagram that he put out, which is a very Mardy Max. And I yep. don't really blame him for being Mardy, um, which basically calls Lewis unsportsmanlike for celebrating a win.
2: Okay, but The lads um, in hospital, tensions are running high. I don't expect yeah. anyone to not be celebrating a win at their Grand Prix. Maybe you mute it a little so there was no crowd surfing. That's up for discussion as well. Uh, I think we can agree, Matt, though, that as exciting as that, that was. That's not how we want the battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen decided. And I, and I think this could be a, a critical point. This could lead to a new forced respectful racing because now they both know, they both know they're not going to give up. We've seen it time and time again with Hamilton and Verstappen pushing people out wide, being dominating pushing all their chips in and assuming the other person is going to duck out. Well, do you know what? They they know now, they're each calling each other's bluff. And how many races left in the season Matt? 10 or so? 10? 12? Easily. We've got so much of this left. It's so good.
3: Yeah, and I just Want to jump ahead a little bit and say that for all we've been putting it on Max, like it was a very, he was much more at risk being where he was from contact with Hamilton. But Hamilton is equally lucky that there was a red flag because he had a cracked wheel rim and might have wound up going out of the race himself had they not been able to come into the pit lane and and fix it.
1: I also just want to point out the amazing ability of the Mercedes mechanics during that red flag. I don't know if anybody else caught this, but they were literally duct taping pieces of carbon fiber back <laughs> onto the front wing. Yeah, and it was just one of my favorite visuals I've seen in the F one season <laughs> thus far.
2: Don't worry; it's the equivalent of you know that'll buff out, that'll duct tape out. We'll be we'll be okay. Trumpets.
3: Uh, that said, still, again, when I watch this incident, I know people will disagree with me this is my opinion it did not look to me like in the old days when um massa and hamilton would come together at every apex it mm-hmm. did not look like that kind of a move to me the contact really was glancing and incidental and it's only because it was at such a high yeah. speed that we had such a serious result i don't think the i don't think hamilton intentionally put max under the wall no and i really don't think that max intentionally turned in with the aim of taking hamilton's wing off either
2: I, I just think they both thought they had it and this is the closest i've ever been to to saying it's a racing incident um i don't know why disappoint people who call me hanfosi why don't i just say oh it was all max's fault and it was a uh, terrible but the, it has brought up some interesting reactions about racing rules and i will just play actually a voice note from brad and uh, Alex. Have you been in the same situation as me? Has Brad Philpott been texting you constantly since about five pm?
4: Yes, I, <laughs> I literally have a. I have an analogy from him, which he wants me to give out.
2: Oh, okay. In that case, um, look. Uh, this was inspired by the Christian Horner uh, reaction. Now, Christian Horner ha- and Helmut Marko have been super, super aggressive. I feel, I feel like they might have overplayed his hand. Let's not their hand. Let's not forget here. Lewis Hamilton was a judge to have caused an incident by the stewards. So there's no getting away from that, but he did get let off with the second lightest penalty. I can't help but feel that, that that penalty decision was influenced by the fact that his competitor was now in the wall and out of the race. Had it been the other way round, I, I I can't get this thought out of my head. Well, okay, Hamilton's now in the wall. He's hit the inside line. He's been forced into the wall. He's he's out. Now Verstappen gets the 10-second penalty. I, I wish we could do the, the replay of the incident show the contact, pause time, th- then ask the stewards whose fault it was without them knowing who came off worse and, and see if that uh, made it any different. But the the Red Bull camp were incandescent with rage. Christian Horner, who is normally very measured, to be fair, Matt, he was absolutely adamant that no, Lewis Hamilton would make it a reckless move. No car in history has ever overtaken into cops. Apparently, Uh, Lewis Hamilton should know better. He will be suffering the consequences in his own mind. And Helmut Marko was essentially calling for Lewis Hamilton's head.
3: Yeah, well, this is where it all started to get really sour for me, Uh, because I felt like Horner could have had a legitimate argument, and indeed the stewards agreed with him. They placed the majority of the blame on Hamilton for not avoiding that collision. They said he had room to the inside. In fact, I could read exactly. No. Okay, fine. Go on
2: then. Go on then. Let's do it.
3: Stewart's reviewed video. Cars 33 and 44 entered turn nine with car 33 in the lead and car 44 slightly behind. Car 44 was on a line that did not reach the apex of the corner with room available to the inside, which I think is the important bit there. Mm -hmm. when car 33 turned in car 44 did not avoid contact and the left front of car 44 contacted the right rear of car 33 which yes we could figure that out on our own thank you Car 44 is judged
2: predominantly at fault predominantly that's a a good word let's hear what brad had to say because um i'm leaving you all on video so all look interested guys
5: so i'm sure you will have covered the hamilton Verstappen incident in great detail. So there's just one specific thing I wanted to address on this subject, and that was the claim that Hamilton stuck a wheel up the inside, uh, made by Christian Horner after the race. Uh, And my view on this is that you need to really be careful about saying that phrase, sticking a wheel up the inside. That should be reserved for when you make a late move and you suddenly arrive on the scene as your opponent turns in, which clearly wasn't the case here. When there's a car that's there during the entire process of the move, and they still happen to have a bit of the car there when contact is made, that's a very different situation. Um, that's kind of indicative of the inside driver attempting to to get out of it, or the driver on the outside just being on a line which allows...
2: Oh, I've lost that. I do beg your pardon. Let's try if I can pick side, it up.
5: ...just being on a line which allows them a faster apex speed, and therefore pulls slightly further ahead at the point of contact. So it's nothing like... Um, sticking a wheel in by braking too late or diving down the inside. It's a very different situation.
2: Yeah, my apologies there. I was trying to use WhatsApp on the PC and it didn't quite work out. But Brad's trying to make the distinction, Alex, of someone who is just like three car lengths back and just goes, do you know what, I'm just going to send it. Like that wasn't a send it thing, was it at all? That's a very different manoeuvre.
4: No, that was, you know, they've been side by side since since lights out. You know, there was people kept saying uh, I kept seeing lots of conversations. People saying, "Oh, Max couldn't see him; wouldn't been used, wouldn't have been looking behind him in his mirrors." I'm sorry, you. If you think Max didn't know that Lewis Hamilton was there, Max Verstappen isn't the amazing racing driver that I think he is. If I'm in a go kart and I know that there are people around me without looking at them, um, I'm pretty certain one of the greatest drivers to ever have mm-hmm. lived knows when another
2: driver is alongside him Karting's exactly the same as f1 dj
1: correct me if i'm wrong i think sky actually played a video of on the turn in on the old pit straight that max looked into his right view mirror he knew exactly where hamilton was
2: yeah okay well and and that's the opinion that that alex is coming up with as well I, i i i'm still convinced matt that both of them, there's, the things are happening so fast, they've both just made the decision that they had it. And that, that's where I, I'm kind of finishing up.
3: So it sounds like you're calling this a racing incident.
2: Oh, it's so painful. You know I don't want to do that. You know this might, how much this hurts me. It might be my first ever racing incident, but I, I just think that Lewis Hamilton had been predetermined after various losses in wheel to wheel combat, which he is not overly accustomed to in his f one career, he was determined to do it. Max Verstappen has effectively won mode in wheel to wheel combat, and I don't blame him at all because it's been blinking brilliant for years and years. He's been able to assert his dominance in those situations and and he's been able to do it over an eight time sorry seven time world champion <laughs> sorry bit of a spoiler for december he's been been able to do it over a seven time world champion and and why wouldn't you think you can keep doing it so he keeps rolling the dice and it's been working and working but okay you gain seven points in imola you gain seven points for a move in bahrain or whatever and this time he lost 25 points or whatever it is 26 points so that's the the risk reward trade-off that you that you do in those situations
3: Yeah. And again, these things tend to be a bit self-policing, which, you know, Max lost 25 points. Had they not called a red flag, Hamilton likely would have either been out of the race or a whole extra pit stop down, reducing the amount of points he gained. So I don't know. I mean, for me, if we're talking non-legal, I'm going to put it on Max. I call it an error in judgment, either in the moment, how he chose to turn in, or larger picture, how much again is my championship lead and yeah. how much do I lose if I finish second? But if we're talking from a legal point of view, the stewards put it on Hamilton because looking at the positioning of the cars as they entered the corner, they felt he could have done a little bit more to keep that from happening.
2: Uh, and and like, like I'll just repeat one more time. I, I do think a little bit of that was about the consequence. Had they both been binned off? I very much doubt any penalty would have carried over. We spent a lot of time on that incident, and that is understandable. That was the big event of the race. But believe it or not, the race continued after lap one. And this is the bit where we ask Matt where the race was won and lost. Yeah, man, the race was won and lost after lap two, Matt what happened what happened no, what happened? no? What I'm going happened? back to lap one. one oh going back one to lap one happened. again we just finished that
3: i know we've discussed to death the verstappen hamilton incident but one more thing happened on lap one that that i feel like i need to get in which is that as as verstappen was into the wall as hamilton was regaining control of his car from the contact charles leclerc zipped by him before the safety car came out and that was going to matter a lot when they went around to do the standing restart like what was it, a half an hour later i forget it was a while but that left leclerc in what is now what was then sorry i'm getting my tenses confused what was then pole position for the restart of the race now minus max verstappen and as we all know at that restart, Hamilton gave it a bit of a go, but the Ferrari, yes, I'm going to say that, the Ferrari just simply took the lead and off
2: it drove. Now, would any of you be a little bit surprised if if I was to say to you, actually, I, I was just gunning for Charles Leclerc, and I found myself in a little bit of a weird position, Alex, because throughout the race, Charles Leclerc had just, he'd been so cool, he has been so calm, calculated, you could see the maths working in their head, they they might well have had a nosebleed suddenly thinking, not only can we win, we can we can win at Silverstone. We can we can win in their backyard. But my goodness, we just have to acknowledge the attempt because Charles Leclerc was not only having pace, he had extra capacity, he knew where the tyres were, he knew what Hamilton was doing. Their team worked brilliantly. They got their bad pit stop out of the way on Carlos Sainz tactically so that they could do a good one for Charles Leclerc. Ferrari and Leclerc were awesome this weekend and it is not... Just because they have fantastic hospitality in the Paddock Club, uh, and a big shout out to Ferrari's official beer sponsor as well, Estrella Galicia for, for Galicia, Estrella Galicia for hosting us all of Friday and giving us limitless champagne.
4: It must have been wonderful for you, Spanners, as a lifelong Ferrari fan to get to spend time
2: at Ferrari and then see Ferrari do really well in the Grand Prix. I've always said that Ferrari don't resemble any kind of star, death or otherwise. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I would
4: it's really weird for me because listen, i've never been the biggest ferrari fan but i like both their drivers and the clerk did a fantastic job. i mean i to be fair i fully expected i was like oh okay the claire's ahead lewis will close the gap drive past him and disappear off into the distance and the 10 po- and the 10 seconds won't make a difference and that didn't happen lewis couldn't get within a second and a half until leclerc had an issue and it's when the Cler had his issue that i was most impressed yeah because They were telling him all sorts of different things to change and modes and dials and buttons to press while still putting in his best laps of the race somehow. It was an absolute masterclass. And again, another one of these drivers that's there with George Russell, that's there with Lando Norris and just behind Max and Lewis, who are the drivers of the future for Formula One. Just a fantastic performance from Ferrari and and Leclerc today.
2: So so the thing is, Matt, this is the most impressive thing, is how on earth did Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari that isn't as fast as the Mercedes, that isn't as fast as the Red Bull, that is likely on par with a McLaren, how on earth, in a, in a track like Silverstone, that is a festival of speed, in an engine that has been struggling for years with an engine, how on earth did he evade the hunt for Red 16 for so long in that first stint? Because he, he won that first stint. We see Lewis Hamilton hunting down Bottas, Verstappen, various people, on the first stint, your tires won't last as long as my tires. We're quicker. I can sit there and wait all day long. But Hamilton literally didn't have an answer for, now let's get this very clear, Charles Leclerc in a 2021 Ferrari. How? Okay.
3: In, in, in my file of things you were about
2: to be sorry, you asked me. I right. will
3: now put this question.
2: <laughs> Hang on. Summers has just written tires in our Patreon Slack group. Okay. So I'm guessing it 100%. was to do with tires.
3: First of all, uh, according to Sky, at least, or maybe it was Five Live, I listened to them both. So sometimes I forget who said what. Uh, it was used mediums from Mercedes at the start of the race, not new mediums. So, thing number one was there. Thing number two, track temperatures it was very, very hot. Uh, and the cars are much, much heavier than they were in the sprint race. They're full of 100, well, probably 90, 95 kilograms worth of fuel. Mercedes was not at its best when it was full of fuel, and the Ferrari was just that little bit more balanced. And you could see it by how easily Leclerc was able to extend his lap times, even after Hamilton, having had a sniff of those engine, engine issues, had gotten himself into DRS to to, to really try and have a go at, at at taking the lead. And I do want to point out those engine issues because the margin at the end of the race for hamilton was around three seconds and i would argue that leclerc easily lost about that much time just sorting through that with his ferrari engineers so in some ways this race was perhaps even a bit closer than it looked and boy did it really look close
2: yeah well also well if you want to do that i would argue that had verstappen not crashed into the barrier had he gathered it onto cops and just ended up say 40 seconds behind, I don't think Lewis Hamilton would have got the 10-second penalty. So we, we can't deny that the 10-second penalty also made this race super exciting and added in like a special factor because Lewis couldn't do his normal thing of just, well, I'll put pressure on you and we'll wait for the pit stops and I can... It took the undercut away for a start, didn't it? There was no yeah. option of that.
3: Yeah, it did. And, and in that sense, I sort of already filed it with our whose fault is this discussion. And having done that, um, I, I neglected to mention it, but yes, obviously the 10 second penalty uh, played a critical role uh, in it, giving Leclerc a little bit of a breather, uh, but not quite enough of one given his engine issues. The other thing I want to mention from the restart yeah. that really mattered a lot uh, was Norris and and getting ahead of Valtteri Botas at the start. Now, we know afterwards, uh, Botas said he had wheel spin on both of his starts and that negatively affected him, but it wound up consigning him to third place at best.
2: DJ, am I getting carried away with Leclerc's race? Because I just, you know, he controlled it in a way. You know, he he was able to respond. He was able to be cool and calm. I don't think you can do that in a Ferrari unless you're a a bit special. Not in a Ferrari in general. I know they're generally a a great team and they're fantastic and wonderful. But uh, in this year's Ferrari, I I just think, am I getting carried away? We've just seen an extraordinary talent today.
1: No, and we've seen it throughout the course of the season. I mean, look at the two poles. He's racked up in a car that shouldn't be on pole. Yeah, they were street circuits and that's going to be a little bit different. But... I mean, from the minute he entered the sport driving for Sauber, everybody said this guy is special and he continues to prove it time and time again. He, he was doing the things that, that make you most impressive. Like, like Matt said, Having to manage those issues, getting there, being going, being able to go fast, and playing with the buttons to try to get it—it <laughs> it shows how much of a complete driver he is that he's able to keep up the speed and be thinking about the technical
2: issues at the same time. Okay, oh, right. Okay, I'm not slagging off Crofty. I'm actually a big fan of David Croft on the this guy commentary. But he he was he was amazed and perplexed that there was someone at Ferrari that knew which buttons you have to press. You yeah, know, they literally write a manual every time they do a build. The people who do a build and make the software have to write like a like a flow chart. So a, thing A isn't happening, press menu plus B. So it isn't necessarily Derek who gave the order. It could have been Derek who wrote the technical manual. He goes around asking all the engineers when they're building those software programs and the engines, they go, ah, but what if that doesn't happen? And they go, well, if that doesn't happen, you just press enter. C, B, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, to do that cool and calm under pressure while Lewis Hamilton is chasing you down, uh, I I, I almost found myself disappointed when I was doing the maths after the second stop because as soon as Lewis Hamilton came out on the hard tyre, suddenly then the delta, even though it was big, even though Leclerc had a big lead, you could see Hamilton had a second lap, a second lap, a second lap. And you go, is this going to stop? Is this going to wear off? But it wasn't. It was relentless. It was a second lap, a second lap. And if anything, it was Leclerc responding and doing well to respond on his tyres and his engineers going, okay, just give it everything flat out. And they did. So again, we see two of the greatest talents in Formula One pushing really hard, almost like a sprint race at the end there, wasn't it, Matt?
3: It was. And in fact, uh, Ferrari turned his engine back up want to give him every single chance in the final laps, and you could see it because the uh, delta between the two cars dropped to below a second for a bit as as he used up the last of his tires but the mercedes was better on that hard tire it was faster the car was lighter the balance was better and once his teammate was given the order to get out of the way
2: yes okay Thing is, this uh, is, this is what I want to yeah. talk to Vanjean about. I've been waiting to okay. talk to you about this the whole time. I mean, the, the pretense that Bottas is on any kind of level playing field, gone. Fully gone.
0: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
4: To be fair though, it's not even a case of that. It's just a case, it's, it's a case of simple mathematics, really. Bottas is is Bottas fourth in the championship at the moment? You know, Maybe. he's nowhere near the title fight. There's there's no batting around it. The title fight is between Max and Lewis, and that's it. So for I mean, I said it as soon as a new Lewis was going to take his penalty, it would be madness for Mercedes not to say, Bottas, get out of the way because
2: you want Lewis to gain as many points as possible. Against yeah, but Alex, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, Bottas didn't have any problems. He didn't bump into anyone. He didn't drop it. He didn't spin. Yet he's found himself in a position where he, he, he couldn't get towards Leclerc in the Ferrari. Bottas is he, in the same Mercedes. And he
4: lost about six seconds to Lewis once yeah. Lewis passed him as well. Yeah, So there, there was no contest. All it was about was not slowing Lewis down.
2: And, and this Matt is, is one of the things that that drives me bonkers about our discourse in in motorsport. There is a big gap in the drivers. Bottas is undeniably a fantastic driver, but there is a big skill gap that you wouldn't expect in in other sports. So we do we are in a position where there is a world where Mercedes have Bottas as their number one driver and another driver supporting him, and actually they look like a team that can't catch Ferrari today. And there's also an alternate universe where Ferrari didn't hire Leclerc, where they stuck with Vettel or Massa or Raikkonen. And and that Mercedes, that Ferrari doesn't look like it did today. That's that's a hard thing for F1 fans to digest.
3: Well, before I move on to my actual point, I, I, I will say that we're looking at him compared to the very, very best driver. Yes. Or one of the two best drivers in the entire world. So... You know, these things can be a bit relative. Bottas is a very, very good driver. That said, it brings me to the last point I want to make about where the race was won and lost. And that was Norris's long pit stop. Oh, yes. oh, And that was an extra four seconds. And the reason that mattered is because he came out and immediately, the following lap, Mercedes brought Valtteri in to claim that position that was a podium position third spot but because it was early relative to Hamilton and to Leclerc you're talking about Bottas on tires that are seven laps older and I'm going to sit right here and tell you that in that heat given the extra laps he had to drive that car I'm not going to put it on him being unable to manage tires. I'm going to put it on the tires, unable to manage that distance at that speed relative to the two people who stopped later. And that's why it locked him into third place and didn't really give him a chance at second.
2: Okay, how are we all doing on the panel? Uh, those watching on video will know that I today have also donned the grey version of the Missed Apex polo. So me and Matt can have a, a competition about who is the sweatiest you are currently winning at the moment. Uh, Matt, let's uh, tell people where they can follow you online. You're at MattPT55 on Twitter. That's when you like to hang out the most. Uh,
3: that is absolutely correct. I-, I do check my messages there relatively frequently and occasionally i say the odd thing that might be either entertaining or enraging depending upon your viewpoint
2: now you're very political which is different to me because i have no strong political opinions one way or the other
3: yes well fortunately i basically have no job at all because i'm a musician so (laughs) i can pretty much say whatever i want without fear of reprisal
2: musicians are the worst yeah, we are. Good. At Matt PC 55 all the links uh, in the show notes below. Go follow Matt's wife as well at AWeaverWrites, the most talented romance novel writer of all time. I can make yeah, that claim. Yeah, here we go. That'll yeah, work. I can make that claim. Uh, we've also got Alex Jeansy Van Jean. You do streams. At Alex Van Jean, he spells his name weird. V A N G double E E N. I mean, that's how you find you, Alex. Have you never been tempted to just completely make up a random other name? I don't need to because mine's unique anyway because there true. isn't another one of me yeah. which is great so yeah so I do
4: streams on a Thursday night um I'm starting to make some videos now about rate about um racecraft masterclasses um and I've got a couple of those uh in the pipeline uh, I've got a review video coming out soon as well um and you can also follow me on Twitter as well YouTube um and I've also got Discord and the link for that will be downstairs will be down
2: in the comments no well. we're not gonna we're not going to share your Discord because <laughs> we have a competing Discord. DJ, a new friend from, I can't remember, California or Canada or something.
1: California. California. <laughs> yeah. You
2: have social media. People can follow you by searching for?
1: At the DJ Clark nice. is my Twitter. No uh, e. E. Yeah, no E. Just yeah. uh, the Scottish way of spelling it.
2: Okay. Do you have some roots in Scotland? Is that why? I do.
1: Uh, third or fourth generation uh, from Aberdeenshire. So,
2: Aberdonshire. Yes, that's definitely yeah. how it's said. Uh, let's yeah,
1: move... I know, I know the accent, I know. <laughs> let's move on to the midfield.
2: <laughs> when well, I say move on to the midfield, I must be completely honest, Matt, I had to put in our slack group. I was obviously watching the race. I, I heard things, I heard Kimmy did this, I'm hearing Norris, I'm hearing Alonso doing stuff. But the focus was so on the front, I think we could... F- we always have to watch the race again and get like a director's cut where you ignore the front view.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, so the question I'm going to ask you is, where does the midfield start? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is, is, it, is, it, is it directly after the podiums? If that's the case, we're going to be talking about Norris, who yeah. we've already talked yes. about. But the big loser, as you pointed out earlier, was Carlos Sainz, who had like, you know, a 9,000 second pit stop. After Mm. Ricardo came in, he actually extended. He had about a two second advantage would have come out ahead of Ricardo and behind Norris. And in fact, because of that long stop, he wound up behind Ricardo. And I think as we saw yesterday in the sprint race with Alonso, it even Alonso in a slow car on soft tires that are melting was very, very difficult to pass people here at Silverstone this year. And it's my opinion. I don't think they got the DRS zones entirely correct because it seemed okay. to very much favor your defender this time round. Well, what would you have done different? Uh, m- more, more better DRS, of course.
2: Okay, so extra, extra DRS.
3: Yeah, but the DRS wasn't quite powerful enough. You had to have a very big advantage over your rival to be able to get round them, and that's why Alonso did did well, and that's why, in fact, all the soft tire people in the sprint race, save Botas, made a lot of positions up because they could do it at the start before while everybody else's tires were cold.
2: It was an intriguing fight between Signs and Ricardo and in fact like on the final lap when Hamilton was just kind of wrapping it up there was people screaming going, show us show us Signs, show us Ricardo. Uh,
3: yeah, because it was they were in DRS for oh, no, I don't always say lap 42 43. I noticed that they were in DRS and the other big one really was stroll on Alonso stroll on Alonso, and then whoever's behind him, maybe Perez was behind him till they pitted him again to go for fast lap and, you know, uh, ruin Kimi Räikkönen's day. Um, and it was just like nothing. You'd see, you know, eight-tenths, six-tenths, five-tenths, four-tenths, three-tenths, eight-tenths. It, it, it just wasn't quite enough for any of the midfield to get by each other because the margins there are so much tighter than they are between the top two teams and everybody else.
2: Yes, and it is, and it's really a hard question to say. Right, where do we define the midfield? And I suppose uh, DJ, we have to look at Perez and say, well, Perez put himself in the midfield today. And uh, actually, I, I entitled a segment Perez's terrible, horrible weekend because it, it was just a yeah, you know, it was just a nightmare from start to finish.
1: It really was, and it, it. I think it harkens back to a little bit of my original frustration with the idea of the sprint race in that you're competing for three points when really and truly you should be going for all 25. Not to say that it wasn't Perez's fault and he had to fight his way back up through the field. And I think he did a relatively admirable job from where really, he was coming really? from.
2: Really? Because I don't, right? I'm a Perez fan and I was looking for him to like absolutely punch it through that field. You've got an amazing Red Bull car that's been fantastic all season. And and frankly, he was just getting stuck in too many places. There was an excuse of like, Alex, there was a d- excuse of the DRS trains, but like you're in a Red Bull, you should be absolutely cruising past the likes of Kimi Raikkonen and 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 Pierre Gasly. And in the end, frankly, he ended he ended up just pushing Raikkonen into the middle of the field because he just had enough. He came through Brooklyns and just went, no, no, I can't be held up by you anymore.
4: Luckily, we have the example of his teammate. If Max was in Perez's position, would Max have been out of the points?
1: not no, on I don't, your I don't life so. I don't, not to no name. chance
4: max would have scythed his way through that field in that car um with the opportunity to take off downforce to make it faster around down the straights i you know perez was a what's the, what's the phrase a damp squib today really disappointing i expected fireworks and we got nothing
2: so i guess matt we could say well we don't actually know what the changes did there was no opportunity to test them they rolled the dice set a pit lane start and we'll Rip some wing off. Who knows if that was the the right way to go.
3: Yeah, but it's also worth pointing out that Max is getting all the brand new bright shiny parts on his car, and Peras is definitely not getting those. Sure. So so it's worth considering they're not playing necessarily with exactly the same toy when we have these discussions. That said, awful lot of people were dropping it. Um we haven't mentioned Vettel, who who did a rather delightfully embarrassing thing that I've done before in iRacing which is spin and wind oh. up in the entry to the old
2: pit oh, lane. So this is interesting Ma- making this part of iRacing. Right, so I I've put my boy in the in the sim, Alex and uh and and I have said to him over and over again, you know, when you come out of a corner, you you have to earn the accelerator with your t- so you're turning you can't just floor the accelerator because the back end will go around. And we've gone through this in karting. We've gone through it in sim racing. You must unsteer. So I say to the kids in their ear as they're going in, steer, unsteer as they go out. And because Vettel was holding the line, I was in slow motion on the replay, watching it with my boy. And I'm saying, what did he do wrong? You know, he's back on the power, desperate to get out of Luffield with about three quarters of the way to to a quarter lock. And that, and that's what he's done. He's He's just dropped it you know with with too much steering lock
4: we um we get told off to talk about i-racing but no i know it's it's racing i'm 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 pretty certain we have all done that on cold tires on the f3 on your outlap yeah 90% or ninety percent every single one of us have done that and it's really really easy to do but he's a four-time formula one world champion who's Many many well, he wins does it under a lot. his belt, and he, he does and it a lot, two Alex. race wins yeah. in Silverstone under his belt, and I just you know if if Yuki had done that, or yeah. Latifi had done that, or Mazepin had done it, I'm surprised he didn't. Um, I w- I wouldn't have been surprised, but Seb, well no, hang on, hang man.
2: on, he was doing this. All his spins at Ferrari were all under acceleration Mm. and we all said oh it's ferrari ferrari maybe ferrari aren't giving him a car that replicates the downforce on the rear end that the red bull give him but matt you know aston martin if he keeps doing it in the aston martin and that was very reminiscent of his ferrari days you have to go actually is this just something inherent in his driver style he rolls the dice on corner exits and every now and then it just lets him down
3: Yeah, well, in this case, I would, uh, looking at where he was, I would just simply argue that the grip wasn't there because he was inside and it looks like the line that they mostly took were a little bit outside of where he was because he was fighting for a decent position. He had a, he wound up being in an okay place and was in a point scoring position till he did that. And then basically his race was over. They eventually retired him after he lounged around at the back being miserable while Stroll who had done terribly up to that point actually had a really good restart and, and found himself eventually stuck behind Alonso and P8.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, um, is there any argument on Perez being at fault for the Luffield thing and just squeezing Kimi into the thing? You can't do no, that. Yeah. You can't just, he's, he's running up the, the unique thing about the Brooklyn's Luffield thing is it's an exit and also an entry. So it's like, it's like a chicane, but it's not a chicane because they're two very distinctive corners. So He's run him out wide on the exit and also closed him and pushed him into the apex of another corner. I don't think there's very, there's much defense. We don't even need to play the bumper for that. So, some other action in the midfield. Uh, go on, Matt.
3: Well, I was going to say, since we're talking about it, if you wonder what happened to Pierre Gasly, who formerly was more or less in that spot, and actually, compared to the rest of the weekend, having a good race, he had a late puncture. And that, that put him out of the points, but it let his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, who'd been, you know, uh, who'd been in the race without causing, you know, any major incidents, it actually let him into 10th place because Red Bull did that thing where they said, what can we do to Lewis? Oh, I know we can yes. take away his fast lap point. Let's hit Perez two laps in the end and give him some softs because... That's all we've really got left at this point.
2: So it's the British Grand Prix, so we're going to go to uh, another Brit that was on the grid. Sorry, DJ. Sorry for this Brit bias. Sorry for this uh, Brit focus. Hope you can stand it. Uh, But I want to talk George Russell, because uh, even with his ninth place in the sprint qualifying race, the gods looked upon him and said, Ah, the boy, Russell, defies us. We shall summon the magic stewards and... Grant him a three-place penalty. He must never, ever finish in the top ten. But there was people asking, hang on, who was it? I can't remember who asked here. Said, um, is there something inherent about Russell's starts? Because he does always seem to go immediately backwards, that Williams doesn't start as well as it qualifies.
1: Well, we've talked about it a couple of times. I mean, specifically with the uh, the brake magic mode on the Mercedes, that all of the wheels and all of the different ways that those are set up are differently. So there may be a slightly different clutch adjustment that's just a little harder to get right for Russell to do. The other thing to remember with that Williams car is – correct me if I'm wrong on this – it is the only one that doesn't have that LCD screen on the wheel itself. They actually have it mounted to the chassis. And so I wonder if that configuration could be something that is causing those starts to sort of fall back a little bit for him.
3: I think uh, I saw him talking on the uh, pit lane channel post-race or in the the F1 TV post-race show, and he basically said, ah, car is rubbish at starts. So I, I think it's it, it's it's kind of a bit down to that. He had one good one, one bad one. But at the end of the day, what undid him was locking up into Brooklyn's and sliding into Carlos signs because he got a three okay, spot yes. penalty for that. And and beyond that, he did a reasonable job of maintaining his position in the pack. But the Williams isn't quite the car yet to be able to move forward in the race like it has been doing in qualifying.
2: All right, we can't avoid it for much longer, can we? Let's talk about the sprint race. So, I think we should go to DJ Daniel, as your mother calls you, I'm sure, Daniel Indeed. J. Mark. Okay. So, the sprint race is all your fault. As an American, it's it's your fault because Liberty decided, no, this is not the way it goes, but they were saying basically the younger fans need a bit more excitement over the course of the weekend. So, I was there on the the Friday And watched a very exciting qualifying. It was a very normal qualifying. And the current qualifying format is is pretty exciting. And it crescendos. It crescendos towards an exciting climax, which we got. And uh, we decided the grid, but only for the sprint race. And then they shoehorn in. And it is a shoehorn, this extra race. As a typically, I'm joking, as a typically impatient, short attention span American, were you sated? Is this what you want? Are you happy? We've changed for you. Not at all. And I am going to
1: make a very, very strange analogy, and I hope you all are going to follow <laughs> okay, me on Okay, we're, we're waiting.
2: We're waiting. Here we go. Here we go.
1: All right. So last year, there was an app that was launched that was called Quibi. I don't know how far it got out into the UK. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Quibi. The idea was is that you could watch TV shows for eight minutes. And what it was is the idea was, well, all of these young people, they want to have shut short attention spans that that's all the information that they can retain. And so we're going to make it like that didn't work. Because people my age, people younger, we watch silly stuff on TikTok or on YouTube or whatever, but we don't want to watch standard fair content in a compressed time. We want to have that full build out. What the sprint race qualifying is, is that exact same thing. It is older folks who hear the fact that, oh, everybody has a lower attention span. We should do something to change that and make things easier. When in reality, what you need to do, the problem is not in an attention span problem. It is that millennials and Gen Zers have a higher threshold for good content. How many people from the ages of 20 to 35 sat through seven seasons of Game of Thrones? It's not an attention span problem. It's It's a quality quality problem.
2: I I think this is the time to point out that you're like a fully like media dude in like the heart of like American uh, movie and TV stuff. So this is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, Is, Is the idea, do you think, from Liberty to just, well, we have two days of excitement. Actually, now we need three days of excitement was that one of the 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 aims
1: i i think it could be i mean i i understand the idea that they want to have you know that full elongated thing and friday is a little bit it is a little bit boring it is a little bit that kind of thing but i think the way to do it the way to spice it up isn't to change formula one it's to get more hype into f2 f3 the support races get yes. those broadcasts.
2: now you're right now you're talking uh there there was very little mentioned actually about the w series which had a wonderful weekend as well and they really could have made more of that but Matt and I we were having the discussion we're on different side of the fences Matt you're very much a fan I think of the sprint races I've not been a fan at all one of the interesting things is I don't think anyone's mind was particularly changed by the actual event everyone had preconceptions going in and then when the sprint race happened just about everyone went see like everyone on both sides went see I told you it was Roar Sharks Sprint Race.
3: Right. You could literally find a reason to support whatever yes. pre-existing point yeah. you have. I, I do want to say something though, because you did, Spanners, go to Friday's race, mm-hmm. and was it better for you to be able to watch actual qualifying on Friday than it would have been if it had just been two practices?
2: And we're assuming that I'm lying about being able to remember anything after about three p.m. with a stream uh, of free yeah. champagne. I, I feel you there, but but yes. Friday was incredibly exciting. Yes, yeah. uh, but, but but I feel like I got the Saturday experience on a Friday. So, you know, did we just borrow Friday Saturday's excitement and do it on Friday? See,
3: now here here's where I think it gets interesting. So if I if you just ask me what did I think of the sprint race, devoid of any other context, which I know is not how you like to talk about it, but devoid of any other context. I enjoyed the sprint race. I enjoyed it for the following reasons. Yeah. One, it was brand new. We'd never seen the teams have to deal with it before. And that always means something interesting might happen, even if it doesn't.
2: Okay, but Gene. But oh, sorry, you had two points, sorry.
3: Two, what it pointed out to me is that Friday ticket holders on a normal race weekend are a bit of a hard sell compared to the other two days. So the question becomes is the sprint race on its own was fun to watch. How do you incorporate it into the format in a way that doesn't upset the already existing Apple cart? So each day gets something that's worth, that's really worth being there for, that the drivers are invested in. And LeClerc, man, he loved having that on Friday, that on Saturday, that on Sunday. Because he said, look, Fridays are kind of boring for us drivers. The engineers just tell us to go out and drive around in circles. And that's all we do.
2: There we go, Alex. It fundamentally solved the problem, which was... Oh, bless the multimillionaire racing drivers who um, have to just
4: drive around and <laughs> have a Formula to one car work on Friday for, for, for two hours. Oh, I feel so. My heart bleeds. No, for me, the biggest problem with the, it added nothing it, for, for me as a viewer and a big fan of Formula One. There was no nothing added to me. It actually brought me added confusion because I didn't quite know what the timings were because the timings were literally all over the place all weekend. Um, I really don't like qualifying on a Friday because my Fridays are, my Fridays are really, really busy and trying to fit that in at six o'clock when I'm putting my kids to bed doesn't work. <laughs> um, and I can imagine for lots of um, people who watch Formula One, who have kids and have a partner who are not interested in Formula One, to then explain to them they have three really important things to watch (laughs) on a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. It just isn't going to fly. But also, you know, okay, the sprint race is exciting because it's the start of a race. The start of a race is always exciting, um, so that's always going to be good. But it changed nothing for today. Today was brilliant regardless of the sprint race.
2: I just want to just address your your having time and, and everyone has a kind of certain amount of bandwidth where they can watch their F1 without getting yelled at. And if actually some people miss qualifying, so they just on a Saturday they might watch the qualifying highlights or just look at what the grid is and then watch the race. Now there's massive, massive FOMO, fear of missing out. Old people, that's what it means, FOMO. If you don't catch the the Saturday sprint race, because well, one well, thing is, Matt, if you're a Perez fan, you can't just suddenly look at that and go, wait a minute, Perez was fourth and now he's a pit lane star. So what I have to now as an f1 fan commit to watching this or i don't understand the weekend and i would argue that you could kind of just watch the race in isolation before
3: i'm glad you came back to me because there's a saying over here you don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good the good is if you looked at it on your own it was a fun thing to watch it was short there was action and it was different action because the cars had so much less fuel in them If you were a fan of formula one you didn't like it because the qualifying is supposed to set the grid for sunday not the saturday race and then you have the problem of well how do we how do we take something which has some potential and work it into a weekend so that every day you get something to watch but you don't mess with the format that already works i would argue it's worth trying to figure out how to make the sprint race fit into the weekend Without changing the fundamental dynamic that we already have,
2: DJ. I mean, no one's arguing that race cars go vroom isn't isn't great. So a lot of the polls were, "Did you enjoy race cars go vroom?" Oh yeah, absolutely, race cars go vroom. They're great. But the question is, is this how you want the grid decided?
1: No, it it reeks of NASCAR. It, it's
2: stage racing. It's Wait, is that, that an insult? Kind of is thing? that an insult? Reeks of NASCAR. Yeah, are that- we are we using that as a hate term? Are we?
1: For me a little bit, yes, <laughs> even though I have to call a NASCAR race tonight. Don't let anybody hear
5: that. Okay.
1: But but that is a problem in that regard. Now, if you want to keep doing these sprint races, let's think about changing things up a little bit. Maybe we have a non-championship weekend where we go to Kailami. We get the teams to do it. They used to do it back in the day. Cart uh, IndyCar used to do they used to put up a massive prize purse to go run at fontana at the end of the season maybe that's a way to do it and maybe the other way to potentially thinking about doing it is we amp up and make a bigger deal out of the race of champions that we do that or hey if we're worried about attention spans let's cut friday make it a two-day race yeah
2: that that would be kind of that would be a massive help i think to everyone That.
3: Except for the promoters oh, who yeah, might yeah, also need that income. And this is why I'm focused on, let's find a way to make this work, to make the Friday ticket as valuable as the Saturday ticket as valuable as the Sunday ticket in terms of what you get to see and how invested the drivers are in the outcome. Right now, Friday lacks an outcome that Saturday and Sunday have.
2: Alex, I felt like the sprint race was just a shadow first in. It was exa- these cars aren't really adapted to doing a sprint race. So it was just like the first stint of a Grand Prix, except you couldn't plan for a pit stop. I just, I don't know. The first couple of laps were great. And had Alonso not got that great start, we wouldn't have seen really any racing. So I, again, I'm just, I'm not sure what it added to the weekend. Max summed it up for me. He wasn't
4: elated that he'd just yeah. led for 17 races. Laps, and in his. Yeah. And in his post, not a race interview, um, not a he race. said, <laughs> "Not a race." <laughs> uh, he said, "I don't really agree because I think the grid should be decided by who sets the fastest single lap." So, if the guy who won the sprint race
2: <laughs> doesn't
4: agree with the sprint race, and the thing is, was I think you'll agree, we sp- we noticed this a lot of the in-house F1 media, the people on the yes, ground, yeah. were lording it up like it was the best instantly. thing ever. They, and and yeah. Twitter saying that, oh, all the responses have been amazing. I hardly see or saw any decent responses.
2: Can we, can we just say the responses, right? So the, I don't blame F1. So Ross Braun instantly came out and there was tweets and stuff saying, I declare this an uh, instant success. That, that show this proves it, that it was exciting. Well, any grid start will be exciting. And all of the F1 media people that we like and follow on Twitter, they all said it's a, a great success. And then what happened was they they saw the replies. All the replies were, well, okay, yeah, it was fine, I, I guess, to watch the race cars, but this is not all how I want the grid to be decided. It was a bit flat. It didn't really work. So there was then a bunch of polls, and everyone put the poll out that said, did you like room race cars today? And, and, and most of them put, like, yes, I loved it. Meh, it was fine and no, I hated it, and then you would get like 20%, I loved it, most of them meh, and then a percentage saying that they didn't like it. The most useful question is, would you want this to decide the Sunday grid? And I I put that poll out because I felt that was more useful, and it was about 79 to 21%, 79% saying, no, let's have the old format decide it. That doesn't mean they didn't enjoy the sprint race, any Formula One cars starting off the line, that's fun.
3: And that gets back to my point. The fact that I think we can all agree that it's not best when used in the way it was used this weekend is different from should we look for a way to involve it at certain races where it might be appropriate to give more value to the promoters and to the people selling TV minutes and eyeballs.
2: Okay, so here's my last point on it. I just want to see if anyone wants to agree or disagree with this. Is it
6: action? Oh, sorry, we that too
2: soon? Is it well? There's a slight. Sometimes we have a zoom lag and delay. It looks like we had a bit of a preemptive zoom there for you. So my my fear before the sprint races was that the sprint races would borrow a lot from Sunday. So in qualifying, you will eventually you will uh, sometimes get like a mix up of grids because some people will set up for a fastest lap and some people will set up for race pace, for example. So you might get. Uh, a Ferrari or a McLaren, just getting there above the Mercedes, and that sets you up for the race. My fear was that the sprint race would shuffle everything back broadly into order. And a few things saved the sprint race from doing that. Uh, There was a, a battle. There wasn't even a battle up front. Verstappen just got a better start and was ahead. So he may as well have started ahead. Alonso got a good start, so he held a few people up for a little bit, and that made for entertaining racing. Perez and Signs were involved in incidents and went down the back. But really, I mean, Van Jean, this is the thing we argue about in karting when we're deciding how to set the grids. If you put the cars in the fastest race pace order, you're putting yourself in for a less exciting race. And all the sprint race really did was make it more likely that the fastest race pace cars would end up lined up in race pace order with the odd exception at the back of the grid.
4: Yeah, it unshuffled the grid. Russell went further back. There was a couple of winners and a couple of losers, but you're always going to get that. You know, Perez bid it off in the wall and, or nearly in the wall. Don't know how he missed that. Yeah, it was quite, it was um, quite a good save at the end. Um, Sainz got bumped off by Georgie Boy, um, and Alonso had that electric start um, and then fell back the order, which was part of the excitement of that sprint yeah, race. If exactly, Alonso yeah. had just started normally, it would have been it would have been normal. So. It didn't really, That's my issue, is it just didn't do much. And I was sat watching it with a semi-casual F1 fan, and he's like, I don't get it, what's the point?
2: Yeah, that, well, my son, I, my son wandered into the room and said, on Saturday, and I said, okay, got uh, there was qualifying yesterday, but now they're going to have a small race first. And he just went, why? <laughs> and I, just, I, I, I don't know. So I'm still waiting for that answer. But look, it's one data point. Maybe... It all becomes apparent in the next sprint race. Alex, they they might now have learned things that mean that the sprint race is now a massive strategic element for whenever they do it next. And it all kind of makes sense. So I'm willing to wait for two data points.
4: But we're also being really arrogant in the fact that this is for us. It's not for us. They don't care about us. It's exactly what Matt brought up earlier, which is, will it bring more money in for a Friday? Because people will come and watch qualifying, and then more money in on a Saturday, and more money on a Sunday. Will it get more eyeballs? That is all they're worried about. They don't care about us, who want the purest form of the sport to be a meritocracy. Oh, okay, hang on, hang on. Teams create the best, create the best cars, and then they qualify
2: on pole, <laughs> and then they go on and, and have their race. They don't care about us. I had this accusation lauded at me: "You're just a traditionalist." It's like, no, I'm not old and a traditionalist. I'm the young plucky. Up and comer. Matt, when did this happen? When did I become the... But look, they they try to do elimination. The elimination thing where one person gets eliminated as the qualifying goes on. I love that. I thought we could give that more breathing time and more air. I agree. I'm not open. I'm not not open to these ideas. I just just don't quite get this one. That's all. Anyway. For me, it destroys the record books. Oh, that doesn't matter. Who cares? We changed the points. We changed the points already. Who cares? But it does
4: matter in the sense of, did Lewis Hamilton actually go down as getting pole position? Or does Max go down as getting pole position?
2: I don't agree with you. Titles count. But also, when I talk
4: about being traditionalist, it's more a case of, it's not traditionalist, it's just a case of that sport. You know, if you went to football and then said, right, for the first 20 minutes, we're pulling all the goalies. And then... For the last twenty minutes, we'll put the goldies back in. It's like you can't just change the format just to get a bit more flash bang because it's a bit more flash bang from a from a standing start.
2: There we That's go. All they have done it for. We've uh, identified that we've reached the point where change is never good. So instead of embracing any kind of change, let's move on to the podium. fantastically enjoyable Silverstone Grand Prix. Actually, not for the out-and-out racing on this occasion and uh, the fact that it has been hot and sweltering hot all weekend may have jaded my view of the weekend and the racing, but I think that this is a race that was not a classic on, on track. That doesn't make sense. The race itself wasn't a classic, but the drama around it somehow conspired to be Classic. Lots of talking points. The sprint race will get another outing and we can judge then whether or not it was a success. I don't think anyone's mind has been changed by this weekend. And then we have seen a culmination of this long standing battle with Max Verstappen. Max and Lewis Hamilton have been the Ross and Rachel of F1. This has been the will they, won't they. And finally they did. They got together. So this is like the big drama moment. We can all celebrate in that. And let's see where it goes next. There's going to be a baby. One of them is going to want to move to France. And we'll just see how that all works out. But this is the point of the show that we have to give out some awards. So um, the first award we do is, is the thing of the weekend. Oh, my goodness. Let's be super duper positive before we judge people from the comfort of our own sheds and sofas, this is the bit where we say, what was our thing of the weekend? It can be a driver, a person. It can be an ethereal concept like love or commitment. Who should we pick on first? Let's go to America. Let's go to DJ. DJ, what was your thing of the weekend?
1: I said it before, I'm going to say it again. It was the Mercedes Canix with a little bottle of super glue and <laughs> duct tape fixing that front wing. That just made me so happy to see.
2: So uh, the the, the F1 engineers in the engineering world in the UK, which I have... Been a part of for uh, a lot of my professional life, like the F1 engineers, are seen as a pinnacle of that, and it's very interchangeable between that and defence engineers, aeronautical engineers, and stuff. And there is a common thing with engineers that if it doesn't move and it's supposed to, WD forty. If it if it isn't if it if it moves and it's not meant to, duct tape. And and just to see that these guys at the very pinnacle are like that's moving and it's not supposed to, some kind of shiny tape. Let's just hack that together. Good, so that's your thing of the weekend, Matt. Two rumpets. Who are you giving your thing of the weekend? And it, it can't be the fact that I'm now beating you in the sweating through our grey mist apex polos. It could
3: just maybe be the fact that we're even having this contest to begin with. You God, never I'm know. So
2: hard. I need the aircon on. Can the end of the show just have a massive blast of my fan and aircon, please?
3: You just have to ask the audio quality experts on the other end of our show.
2: Nope, that'll be a no. So you just have to put up with my red sweaty face. But who's your thing of the weekend, Matt?
3: Or what? Um, you know what my thing of the weekend is? I don't. You're you haven't ha- told
2: me yet. I'm
3: asking you. Okay. Well, then I will tell you. My thing of the weekend is the people who looked at the DRS zones, looked at Silverstone, and said, "You know what would be a great idea? Let's start the sprint race on the soft tire, because they gained minus Botas, Alonso, and Raikkonen four spots." Ocon grained three, and that set them up to have a really good race, Alpine, both drivers in the points, and Raikkonen, had he managed to keep the car pointed the correct direction for most of the race, was actually right on Ocon's tail until he dropped it the first time before Perez made him drop it the second time. Or I forget, I don't know. It's Raikkonen, so it it just is what
2: it is. I suspect Matt made a joke about tires. I'm going to throw my head back and pretend that I understood it. (laughs) Nice one, Matt. Van Gene, who was your thing of the weekend or what? The absolutely incredible capacity crowd.
4: Yeah, man. Tearing the drivers around. I mean... Again, I've said this before. I'm a WWE fan. And, what, and watching the pop when superstars come out to their music, was exactly what it was like when you had George on his qualifying lap and Lewis and Max going at it. And it was just, you don't hear that crowd anywhere else. Whether mm. they put more microphones in the stand or the Brits are just loud. Um, but yeah, just having that crowd was just amazing. And I'm so happy because it really does. You think, you, you think it doesn't add anything
2: when you look at Formula One. But
4: it really, really does. And it was amazing.
2: It's like WWE, but not pretend. Have I just ruined Christmas for you? <laughs>
3: oh my gosh. You did not say that out loud, did you? <laughs> oh no. Oh, sorry. It's, uh...
2: it, it's scripted. They still do flips and stuff. It's yeah, man. Yeah, sports entertainment. And in a lot of ways, Matt, F1 is sports entertainment as well, because we're allowed to make changes that just entertain people. That crowd was entertained, and I was there on Friday. the The atmosphere was absolutely fantastic, it was absolutely electric. Uh, I don't think we quite outdid the Dutch fans, if I'm honest. The, the Dutch fans were something else at Austria. And I they think just they, had more smoke. Well, they have got more smoke. They're like fully like just on it and dancing. But in the British fans' defence, like we were weighed down by handkerchiefs in like little knots just to keep the sun off our head. Like it was, it was so boiling hot. All right. Oh, my thing of the weekend. I need to do a thing of the weekend as well. Oh, Alonzo. Fernando Alonso, oh Matt, I know you're an Ocon fan, but wasn't Alonso so punchy? Wasn't it just so wonderful just to see him making a an entire mess of that midfield? He he was he was in places he shouldn't have been all weekend, sprint format or not. He was fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way through the weekend. It was marvelous.
3: Yeah, if we we're going to talk about race pace, Alpine did not have the race pace to <laughs> be where they finished no. today, and yet there they finished. So. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the start, particularly the the sprint race start was just, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Not because it was him dodging last minute accidents and knifing his way through, but because, you know, from the moment he started on those tires, he was like, if I follow this course, I'm going to wind up so far ahead of everybody else. And then he just
2: did the thing. Yeah, he was amazing. Right. Now's the time where we criticize people at the top of their... I feel bad about this section, but here it is. You know, it's got antiquity.
1: Oh, no, you missed the apex.
2: We've been doing it for seven years, Matt, and we're not going to stop now. You are in the comfort of your Manhattan penthouse. For you, from the comfort of that flat, sorry, apartment, who missed the apex for you? Uh,
3: There were a lot of people who missed the apex this weekend. I mean, I could say Alonzo spinning on the way to the grid, for example, that was. Hilarious. Oh, I missed that. What happened there? Did you miss that? Yeah. No, no, that was totally a thing that happened, but I don't know. I feel, I feel, I feel really bad, but Raikkonen, he just like he was there, but he just kept on. He's been, maybe it's a bigger thing. Mm. It's over several weekends. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about his ability if you know what i mean uh to be present in the race i mean he drove into vettel what <laughs> on earth was that
2: and he had a big and, like off around turn 2 into yeah. into farm as well yeah
3: and he's he's been giving up positions that his team desperately need for i don't know let's call it credibility's sake and and i just i want to see this bleeding stop uh for him uh i mean and for the team's sake too really quite honestly
2: uh, a lot of people saying, well, Hamilton missing the apex in that incident with Verstappen again. You don't have to. You don't have to hit the apex. Uh, but yes, uh, right. We're doing negative stuff, I guess. So, who missed the apex for you, DJ? Who missed the apex?
1: I got to say, it was Vettel coming out of uh, yeah. the last corner like that. It was a weird spin, it was a weird way to do it. It was as he was coming on to throttle, not full application. It's just that same bad Vettel we saw the last couple of years at Ferrari. I'm like you, Spanners. I want to see him do well, but that mistake was just a little inexcusable.
2: Van Gene, who missed the Apex for you? I'm going to give it to Max. And the
4: reason I'm going to give it to Max isn't for whether he caused the accident or not. It's the fact of he could have avoided the accident and he's the championship leader. And he completely blew his title lead today because he didn't want to give up the corner. He could have given up the corner, lived to fight another day, probably still could have won the race today because the Red Bull's been on fire um, mm. or only lost seven points to Lewis. Instead, ha- he lost 25.
2: A good point. How many times has Lewis, this season, lived to fight another day against Max? Like Imola, Imola's a, a good sort of case in point. He's just, Do you know what? I'm not going to hold my ground around the... Outside of turn one into turn two, I'm I'm just going to live to fight another day. So, do, what do you think, Alex? If you're Verstappen's driver coach, what do you say to him? Do you do you go right wheel to wheel, win or bin, or do you say, look at what Hamilton's doing? He is judging this event by event, incident by incident, and sometimes he's letting you go. Sometimes you need to let him go and just accept the seven point deficit. What do you say to him? Yeah, but the thing is, it's not a case. It it was lap one, you know,
4: and Max has arguably the fastest car. So he would get another chance to have a go at Lewis. And it's just that case of, it's a little bit of maturity and it's that kind of thing of, um, you've got to kind of let it go. And again, I, this isn't based on, this isn't based on whether it was his fault or not in the accident. That's not what he's getting. That's not what he's getting my missed apex for. It's a case of he made a decision hmm. and he could have made a decision to leave it a little bit wide and not get hit like Charles Leclerc did, like um, uh, like um, Lando did. He could have made that decision, but he didn't. And the decision he made was to go aggressive and to cut Lewis off. That was the decision he made. And that's what cost him 25 points in the championship league.
2: I'm going to give my missed apex award and I might need some protection here because I'm going to give it to a, a pretty powerful dude. So if I get murdered... Can you all just like go, oh, he got murdered? Like, if it's suspicious, if there's like Red Bull cans lying around everywhere around the murder scene, can you guys like point out this video? Helmut Marco! And calling for a suspension—that was just oh—it's massively overdramatic to say that Lewis Hamilton should be be suspended when your driver is Max Verstappen, who is a wonderful, aggressive driver who takes things to the limit time after time after time, and is more than happy to put himself in a situation where another driver has to choose between uh, ducking out and points or contact and a crash. To then say that that contact which admittedly, did have a pretty solid and, and severe reaction. To say that that driver then in that, what is everyone is universally pretty much saying is a 60-40 one way or the other 51-49 type of incident, to say that driver should then be suspended, I think I just I miss, he misses the apex for just a ridiculous rhetoric. Uh, what's it called? It's called hyperbole. Hyperbole hyperbole that's the one isn't it matt hyperbole i'm accusing helmet marco of hyperbole if i'm murdered by red bull cans everybody just avenge my death
3: i think i think in english you can say it pretty much any way you want (laughs) and you've said it all the ways and they are all correct my friend if you say
2: it all the wrong ways you can't always be wrong Exactly.
3: Although I do want to point out the chat room is very much wishing for Perez to get an honorable mention here for oh, Apex missing.
2: Yeah. I, yes. I think I, that was close. It was close. A close second. I think uh, Perez had a shocker of a weekend.
3: Yeah. And again, kind of like Reagan, and not the first one in recent succession either. So must mean he's about to get a contract. That's what I say.
2: Brilliant. Well, I think we've got a bit of a summer break coming up here, haven't we, Matt? So we will only do weekly shows i think the next race is hungaro ring hungary in two weeks Mm. oh is it two weeks is it okay yeah and then
3: it's the summer break to spot the end of august Ah,
2: i see Well, i will do my best to bring us a great special guest between now and the hungarian grand prix and we'll have a bit of a pickup show a bit of a new show on sunday between the races as well i think and then we'll try and resume our patron only streams where we do a little bit of a live stream chat to our patrons patreon.com forward slash Hang on, patreon.com forward slash Miss Apex. That's the one. And we do a bit of a live stream where we let our patrons like call in and chat to us and contribute to the show. And uh, people will only get that on their feed if they are patrons as as well. So we might do one of those. We didn't do it this Friday, Matt, because I was enjoying hospitality of the greatest team to have ever graced F1 Ferrari. And they F1 and Ferrari are just synonymous and Ferrari uh, are F1. And I've always said that. I've been I've been super consistent on that,
3: Matt. I've heard it stands for yeah. Ferrari 1, actually.
2: Yeah, yes. exactly. There you go, Ferrari 1. And also a great thanks to Tom Wheatley as well, who looked after us and his team, who gave uh, me and Brad Philpott a fantastic Friday there as well. You just had to be there. Uh, on Sunday, I think I'll do a little bit of a a critique, a little bit of a breakdown of our experiences of what it was like to be in the paddock club of Silverstone. You had a recent experience as well in the New York e where Mr. I Carter, did. you were the guest of Mr. Carter and Friends and you you and Amanda also had a fantastic time. Luxury yes. that neither of us street rats are accustomed to.
3: Turns out we should have just been rich because it's
2: better. <laughs> so uh, we'll skip the pony for now for the sake of time, but we do have to give out... Comment of the week. Which one of our Slack commenters, Matt, has got your attention for comment of the week? All right. We will
3: start with yako Ligtelm. No. Whose name I am once again murdering, no doubt. It's no, no. Been that's three, how it's said. That's fine. It's been three races since the last technical directive. About time Ferrari started finding pace again.
2: Van have you got one too? Uh,
4: yeah. Mine is Rob Asher. Lewis only wins because he has the best
2: fans. Nice. Okay, I could do with some fans in the studio right now. Matt Trump is. Uh,
3: Matteo asking again how many Ferrari hats equal one Mazepin hamper?
2: Oh, that's a good point. Like, I am totally open to a Haas hamper. Like, send it, man. Like, I've got no scruples. Do I strike anyone here as someone with morals? Uh, who else is in line for comment of the week?
3: I think we've got two or three more if there's time. Um, uh,. Apologies, lost my place momentarily. Tomato Mateo, Mm -hmm. making my life difficult with that at the end of this much whiskey. (laughs) With how much concern and compassion Hamilton usually shows for other drivers not named Albin, I'm willing to give Hamilton the benefit of the doubt and believe he didn't know Max was in hospital.
2: Well, that is certainly the the claim. And I I think, look, it is a serious matter. Max Verstappen does seem very upset on Instagram and Twitter that things were being celebrated when he was in hospital, I think the general message was that he he was okay, and uh, and I hope he was okay. It's a big ask to not ask Lewis Hamilton not celebrate in front of the British fans, but I, I'm willing to hear the counter argument. I I get if someone if it's touch and go, if we don't know what condition someone is in, muted celebrations are are appropriate. But all the reports we got were that Max was generally fine, Alex
4: um And as coming into the pits, or we heard when they were when the flag was red, when the race was
2: red flagged, Lewis asked,
4: "Was oh, he okay? Yeah, okay.
2: And he was told that he, was, he okay. was told yeah, he yeah, was okay, fine. Okay, okay, I get that. Okay, Matt, uh, any more contenders?
3: Um, I think we have. Well, this is actually hard because Chris Fonseca has given me three, and I'm having to choose on the fly, He's just one, like two, Leclerc many. and his engine cuts. Okay. Um, and so to so to borrow a little more time, I'm going to say underscore just to annoy Spanners a bit underscore says that vet, battle wants to pit oops wrong pit entry <laughs> oh yes
2: yeah, he nearly took the wrong pit entry yeah
3: and then i think i'm gonna go with chris fonseca's comment spanners calls it a racing incident is this a secret code that he's under duress
2: i don't think i did call it an racing incident i just said i was struggling to assign blame i will definitely settle at some point on whose fault i think it is matt tell us who's the winner of comment of the week
3: Oh, I think the winner has to be Mateo, asking again how many Ferrari hats equals one Mazepen hamper.
2: (laughs) Well done. You are the winner of... Comment of the
3: Week.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Missed Apex Podcast. We are here only because of the support of our patrons, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We have a hell of a time speaking to our patrons all throughout the week and broadcasting this live to you. We will be back, I think... Next Sunday, there may be an interview during the week. Please follow my panel uh, at Alex Van Gene V-A-N-G-E-E-N. If you search V-A-N-G-E-E-N, you will find him on all platforms. Uh, Do follow our new friend, Daniel Clark, DJ. DJ, where are you at?
1: Uh, I am at the DJ Clark, or if you ever want to hear me yell about sim racing, jump over to GSRC on YouTube. Uh, we're racing pretty much every night, and I'm on comms for it.
2: Brilliant! Follow Matt Trumpets at Matt PT55. His wife at A Weaver writes. Follow me at Spanners Ready. I'm the best one. And the show at Missed Apex. Until we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. so hot in the shed now, Matt. I don't want to play the game of, look who's sweatiest anymore. I don't want to do it. You can't make me.
3: All right, fine. <laughs> fine, be that way.
2: Uh, you probably win
3: because it's not like, it's it's only uh, like, you know, modestly sweaty hot over here.
2: I can just put my arms down. Also, but you guys are used to it. Like, I went to Manhattan once in July and it is like it was a thousand degrees. You've got concrete everywhere. It's like an oven.
3: Oh, it's, it's, it, it's, it, and it has been crazy. It's actually cooler today. We had, my daughter had a test yesterday in New Jersey and they had one of these flash flood thunderstorms. Oh yeah. And uh, when I went to get the car, cause the thunderstorm had happened right when she was finishing up, there was water fountaining up out of the grates. Oh my God. They that sounds amazing.
2: I want to go to New York, wherever she it, is. I want to go. Cause I'm just it, dying now. I'm in a box it, of heat and emotion.